Hi fam, and welcome to a Sober Girls podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and I have been sober for 11 years, and through that time have been through my own ups and downs, not only with staying sober, but also learning to live life on life's terms. If you are listening to this, then you have previously or are currently struggling and are ready to take certain steps to get better. Alcoholism has affected each of us differently, but we all have the same stories, what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. You are ready to make a change in your life, and we are glad to have you here. This community is one of strength, commonality, and inclusion. The only way we stay sober is to help the suffering alcoholic and addict, and I am ready to take you on that journey with me. So let's get started. Hi fam, and welcome to a Sober Girls podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and I have been sober for 11 years, and through that time have been through my own ups and downs, not only with staying sober, but also learning to live life on life's terms. If you are listening to this, then you have previously or are currently struggling and are ready to take certain steps to get better. Alcoholism has affected each of us differently, but we all have the same stories, what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. You are ready to make a change in your life, and we are glad to have you here. This community is one of strength, commonality, and inclusion. The only way we stay sober is to help the suffering alcoholic and addict, and I am ready to take you on that journey with me. So let's get started. Hey, what's up, fam? I hope that you had an awesome week last week and a relaxing weekend. I know I say the same thing every time we do these podcasts, but I really genuinely hope that you had a relaxing weekend. I definitely had a relaxing weekend, but we've had some crazy weather here, so tomorrow is a day off for us anyway, but now it's going to be a snow day. I kind of wish the weather would have waited until tomorrow so that I could relax just one more day longer and had a four-day weekend. So this week at work... We have had some major changes that we've been going through. The entire state that I work for is going to be going through some major changes politically, geographically, like cities aren't picking up and moving, but we are getting ready to do some redistricting. And the amount of meetings we have had, you guys, are nauseating. Have you ever seen that meme that says this meeting could have been an email? That is quite legitimately how I felt approximately about (laughs) over half of the meetings that we had. It was insane. And at one point, I let my frustration get the best of me. It was probably the last meeting. Nope, it wasn't the last meeting. It was the second to last meeting that we had of the week. And someone kept speaking over me, speaking for me, speaking in place of me. And needless to say, I lost it. I got quite upset. And after the meeting, I shut down on my computer, walked to my boss's office, flung open his door, proceeded to scream at (laughs) at him that I am an adult and I can't speak for myself. So he kept saying, I know, I understand, I get it, it's going to be okay. And the man just sat there and let me yell at him for like three minutes straight. I was so fed up. I'm not proud of how I acted. I am not proud of the fact that I walked into my boss's office and yelled at him. But I do have to say that I am proud of myself to be in the place where I'm confident in who I am. 
I'm confident in where I work, who I work with, who I work for, that allows me to speak my truth, that allows me to have a voice. Because throughout my life, my childhood, my sobriety, and my friendships, I've never really been allowed to have a voice. There are a few people that I have spoken to or are in friendships and relationships with that are easier to talk to than others. There are people who try to manipulate me or make me feel like what I'm saying isn't accurate or correct. So I genuinely disengage from those people. I don't typically talk to them, to be completely honest. I do appreciate a friend who can be honest with me and upfront with me and tell me the truth, even if it hurts. And I do have a lot of those people in my life, which is very, very nice. But speaking my truth was really not the point of what I was going through this week. As I was going through my thoughts, my meditation this week at work and thinking about what my boss had said to me and some of the things that I have going on at home, a lot of the verbiage and acronyms from AA kind of spoke out to me. Easy does it. One day at a time. Progress over perfection. It works if you work it. It won't if you don't. The promises move sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. I really started to think on those and how they have truly helped me stay sober, stay where I am in the program because as an alcoholic, as an addict, I definitely would not take it one day at a time. I definitely never took it easy. I was so impatient that I could have cared less if you told me that the promises will materialize sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. I remember when I got into AA, and I think I've told you this before, I was so excited to get into AA and to be in recovery (laughs) that I was going to be the first to do everything. I am so competitive. I am so over the top (laughs) with everything When I started AA, I wanted to get the 25-year chip. Okay, well, I don't know if any of y'all really know me, um, (laughs) but I'm not very good at mathing whatsoever. But I can tell you that um, getting a 25-year chip at six months is definitely not feasible. (laughs) But I felt that if I put in the work, I felt if I moved quickly through the steps, or if I had only quit drinking for six months, or if I learned how to drink properly that I would be rewarded in so many ways. I would be rewarded by being forgiven. I would be rewarded by getting more um, medallions. I would be rewarded like a champion would. The sad thing is, is that I wasn't and I didn't. Because the thing about sobriety is that those things we say about taking it one day at a time, things materializing slowly or quickly, easy does it, progress over perfection, all those things are so accurate and so true. And it made me think of my favorite story. I will never, I will never forget the first time my sponsor told me about this story. I didn't really understand at the time. It took me a couple of times reading it actually, because I didn't understand what she was saying to me. And it's the story of the man who drank the milk with whiskey in it. I don't know if you know it. If you don't, I'll explain it a little bit. It's in the big book. And this gentleman, they called him Jim in the book, he had been in the asylum on and off. He was violently intoxicated. He was very nervous. He 
had anxiety. And so Bill and Bob went to go see him. And when they went to go see him, he basically failed to engage in his spiritual life. Okay. So he continued to drink. And every time that he would drink, they would explain to him what was going on. He did know that he was an alcoholic. He knew that he had a serious condition. And he knew that if he kept on, he'd go back to the asylum, which I know it sounds like such a bad word, right? Like asylum. <laughs> All I think about is like Joker and Batman. Don't judge me. So he got drunk again, okay? And when they started talking to him about it, he said that he was hungry. He was on a sales call, so he stopped. And he wanted to get a sandwich at this local bar. He had no intention of drinking, okay? But... He had eaten there so many times when he was sober that he stopped, got a sandwich, and got a glass of milk. Well, he decided that if he put just an ounce of whiskey in his milk, that it really wouldn't work the same way as if he were to drink on an empty stomach. So he thought he knew what he was doing. And see, there's that self-will, right? There's that oh, well, I think I know what's best or I know what I'm doing. So when I was talking to my sponsor about the issue I was having, what she was trying to relate to me was that I was a self-ran riot and that I thought I knew better. So what happened when he continued to, when he had his whiskey? Well, it went so well because he didn't notice anything. So he got another one right? He poured that whiskey into some milk. So he started to do that over and over. And what happened? He got drunk. He ended up back in the asylum. He lost his family, his position. And aside from that, he was having a physical reaction to the alcohol now at this point. This is what we call the definition of an, of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. I am telling you right now, if you continue to drink or use and think that the results are not going to be the same, you're partially right because they're going to be worse than the last time. But that doesn't change. Your scenario, your situation doesn't change, you guys. It, it truly is insanity. And I know that some of this story is weird, right? Like who puts whiskey in milk? Well, obviously an alcoholic, obviously someone who wants a drink so bad that they think they know how to drink better than anybody else. So, you know, <laughs> an alcoholic, right? And I do remember when I was at the end of my drinking because of the new job that I had, even though I lost it, I was driving two hours to work every day and two hours back. So I would only quote unquote air quotes drink on the weekends, but man, would I tie one on. So when I started AA, I really wanted to have somebody just tell me how to drink. And as an alcoholic, just like Jim and like so many alcoholics before him, I was fraught with anxiety. I was emotionally void. I was nervous, angry, depressed, jealous, and I used alcohol as a way to deal with all of those. I used an alcohol to sleep better, and then once I found pills, I had a hysterectomy in 2008, 
And once I found pills that for sure aided in the last year and a half slide down. So towards the end of my alcoholism, I was exhausted. I had manipulated so many people. I was telling so many lies I couldn't keep up with which lie I had told which person. I was constantly finding new ways to try different things because I was so afraid of being caught. You guys, when they say that we drink out of fear, we don't only drink out of fear, we drink because of fear. We are so afraid of the consequences that we have to face. We are so afraid of people finding out the truth. But the truth is that they already know. They can see it. Unless they're stupid or oblivious, people do see what's going on. And if they don't, it's because for now, for the time being, you have really done a good job of manipulating them. So don't feel proud. Don't feel cocky. Don't feel like... Oh, well, nobody notices because I drink when they're gone. Or nobody notices because I hide it in my tumbler. Come on, you guys. Really? You really think that that's <laughs> what's keeping people from knowing? It's not. I promise. It even says on page 37 in the big book, Our behavior is as absurd and incomprehensible with respect to the first drink as that of an individual with a passion for, say, jaywalking. He gets a thrill out of skipping in front of fast-moving vehicles. He enjoys himself for a few years in spite of the friendly warnings. Okay, so basically, you think you're fooling people, and you're not. So let's talk about that. We are drinking to cover up some feeling, some emotion, some stress, okay? And right now, let's say our stress is looking for a job because we're unemployed at this time. Or, like in my job, we are dealing with um, redistricting of an entire state, right? So I've got all this added pressure and stress on me. And normally, I would drink. I would drink because at some point you just get so tired of all the stress and anxiety. And so you take that drink to numb all that. But I want you to do this instead, okay? Easy does it. That's it. Easy does it. Okay. This redistricting, the meetings suck. The learning curve is insane. My state is ginormous. You're going to find that job. You are going to get into that school. It might not always be what you want, but it's always what you need. By doing easy does it, by remembering easy does it, by remembering one day at a time. Progress over perfection. We don't lament and focus on the past, okay? We don't say to ourselves, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Oh my gosh, my boss is going to be so mad at me. You guys, if I focused on what I did to my boss four or five days ago, I would be a wreck. But because I know that easy does it is a part of my life, and that type of behavior is so out of character for me and not something that he sees every day. I know that is something that happened and it comes to pass. That is quite literally all that it is. If I stay there and I focus on that exact moment for the rest of, I don't know, two months, let's say, just, just two months, do you think I'm going to retain anything 
regarding the importance of my job over the next couple of weeks? Probably not. I'm not going to be able to sleep. I'm not going to be able to eat. I am going to drive myself insane with worry. But instead, I'm able to take this one day at a time. If I felt like there was an amends to make, if I felt like there was a bigger issue that needed to be addressed with my boss, I definitely would. I would absolutely address that with my boss. But he knows. He knows that's not what I'm like. He knows that's not who I am. And so for me to just send him an email saying, sorry about that, I just needed a few minutes, it's really no sweat off his back, right? As an alcoholic, we do tend to overdo things. We tend to rush things. We tend to find it hard to relax and savor life. Now, I am not saying by any means that there's not going to be times when you're not going to rush out the door and forget the keys, okay? That's life. So get over it. It's going to happen. It doesn't ruin the rest of the day. If you lock yourself out, you break a window. If you break a window, you call the insurance company. If you call the insurance company, you're probably going to have some runaround. But overall, in the grand scheme of things, those are things that are not going to affect your entire life, you guys. You know what is going to affect your life? Being so mad that you locked yourself out of that house that you start drinking, whether you have got liquor stashed in the car that's already unlocked, in the shed, under the deck, and you start drinking and get the idea to break open that window and you break that window open and you try calling through it and you start bleeding everywhere because you are so out of it that you cut yourself bleeding, that's going to be a whole nother issue. Do you see where alcohol actually takes what we are trying to do and makes it worse? There are so many times in my life that I know, looking back, that drinking alcohol made things so much worse. And I'm not talking about just my marriage. I'm not talking about being a mom or being an employee. I am legitimately talking about things such as having a temper, being so drunk that one day I was playing Wii with a friend of mine and my son, and I was probably on my fourth or fifth glass of wine, and I wasn't paying attention when we were playing that Mario baseball game where you shake the Wii remote and you swing it to hit the ball, and I knocked over my glass of wine, and I broke this, like, super expensive glass that I had gotten from a friend of mine. And not only that, but I had spilled wine all over my brand new white carpet. Now, are these things fixable? Sure, the glass can be replaced. Sure, the stain can come out of the carpet. But it was that moment that I ruined. It was that moment with my friend and my son where I was trying to create a core memory where once again, my drinking made everything stop and have to clean everything up. So for the next 45 minutes, we're cleaning. We're getting glass out of the ground. We're making sure that it's a safe place for my son to run around in. And do you see where something as simple as that, ruining a core memory, can be a big deal? And I'm not talking about being clumsy when you're having a glass of wine at Thanksgiving Clumsy happens. If you've ever met me, you will know 100% that clumsy happens and it's my middle name. What I'm talking about 
is the fact that you can't take two seconds to quit drinking. You can't take a core memory or time to spend with someone because you absolutely have to have a drink and what that does. The wedding I went to back in, I think it was 2000 when I was with an ex-boyfriend, um, I got so insanely drunk, you guys, that the wedding ended up being about David's drunk 19-year-old girlfriend. I mean, so many things were affected by my drinking. So many things that I do look back on and I go, whoa, that was ridiculous. And I don't know if you guys know this, but I am a huge, huge Disney fan. I spend a lot of time going to Disney I have been there six or seven times. I try to go once a year. And I watch Disney movies like they're going out of style. One of the favorite things that I have loved and watched is The Lion King. And Rafiki's comment when Simba is trying to decide whether to go back or not. And this is one thing, I kid you not, that I struggle with going home to Minnesota is struggling with the past because it seems like every time I go back to Minnesota, something, something happens. It, and you guys, I'm so tired of it. Next time I will choose better people to hang out with. <laughs> Maybe that was part of the problem. I don't know. Or my expectations or, oh, so many different things I wish I would have done differently. But, and that's just not one time. That's ultimately different times over the past couple of years. Every time I go home, something happens. So in The Lion King, Rafiki says the past can hurt, but the way I see it is you can either run from it or you can learn from it. And being sober has given me the ability to not run from it. Being sober has given me the ability to be able to return to it. I don't stop going home. I don't stop making friends. I'm not going to stop going places because I refuse to run from my past. I'm going to confront it head on. Because I have that ability now. Easy does it for me means that I am present. I am in the moment. I am here right now. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. I'm not thinking about yesterday. I'm not thinking about what happened last week at work. I'm not thinking about what's going to happen next week at work. I am right here in the moment. This is what's happening. Because if I don't stay in the moment. I am going to overanalyze the past, hyper think about the future. Both are going to give me anxiety. Both are going to allow fear to creep in. Those are both going to set the tapes off running in my head. And then the committee starts talking. And then I start thinking for myself. And when I start thinking for myself, heaven's gates hold on. Because I am telling you, my guardian angel is probably only about like 25 in reality, but she looks 192 because of the stress that I put my guardian angel through when I am trying to think for myself. Easy Does It allows me to take back my life, be in less of a hurry. I also have gotten a lot better at asking for help. So... When it comes to taking it easy, taking it one day at a time, living in those 24 hours, do what you need to do to take it easy. Not everything is an emergency. Okay, you guys, I know Amazon has made it easier to think everything is an emergency. 
The emergency room being open 24 hours allows you to go in for a stupid cough and a sniffle. Knock it off. Knock it off. Our nursing system is so overran with people who have the sniffles, a cough, and not even a fever. Knock it off. Take care of our first responders. Okay? Just because you can get things on demand doesn't mean that you have to. Just because something's on sale doesn't mean you have to have it. Just because you spinned on your ankle walking down the steps does not mean you have cancer. And because it's got a huge lump on it, it's broken in nine different places. Stay off WebMD. Stay off Amazon if you can't handle waiting 24 hours to have something shipped. Instant gratification and expectations are what lead to resentments. Okay? So... Not everything is, is an emergency, and I have to remember that. I have to stay in the moment. Everything is fixable. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be consequences, you guys, but everything is fixable, okay? Everything has a process. Everything has a way to be resolved. Everything has a way to coming to an end. It might not be what you like. It might not be what you expected, but that is not for you. You are not allowed to be in control. You simply just have to say, okay, this is what happens. If you have the ability to make a change, if you have the ability to say you're sorry, if you have an ability to make things better, then do those things, okay? What else? Prayer, silent time. We are in such a hurry all the freaking time. Stop being in a hurry. Stop being in a hurry. If you need to wake up earlier and... You're not a morning person like myself. Schedule things out so early that you know you have that two hours to get ready. Let me tell you what, my alarm goes off at 7 a.m. I know I'm supposed to be to work at 9, but because of my medical condition, I suck at getting to work at 9. But I still get up at 7 o'clock and I start my day. And I know that I have to take my time. It allows me to make sure that I have everything put together. It allows me to make sure that I have time to eat that I have time to get some coffee, and I'm not in a hurry. I'm not rushing. Attending meetings is also really important. Staying present in your sobriety, staying present in your easy does it, means going to meetings, talking to people in the community, reaching out to your sponsor. My sponsor and I went, I think, two weeks without talking to each other, and she told me the other day when I called her, she's like, I haven't talked to you in so long. And she's like, well, it's been two weeks, but it feels like it's so long. <laughs> so, you know, making sure that you are staying present in the community, making sure that you are seeing that other people are going through the exact same thing you are. We are all adults here. Most of us have jobs. Most of us leave jobs consistently because we are unable to hold a job due to our impatience. So being around other people that know how we feel, know what we're going through, that is a very, very important part of Easy Does It. That's what it looks like for me. Turning our will and our lives over. Okay, what does that look like? Again, some of us have a higher power that is AA, the higher power of your understanding. What is the higher power of your understanding? Giving your stress, your anxiety, your frustration, your anger over to your higher power is another way to easy does it. If you're able to say, okay, all right, you know what? This is too much for me. 
I don't have time for stress like this. I don't know how to handle this situation. I need you to take over. I can't do this on my own. Give it over. Give it over to AA. Give it over to God. Give it over to Allah. Give it over to whoever your God is and say, please help. I don't know what to do. Or call someone in the program and say, please help. I don't know what to do. Asking for help is so important, you guys. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength. It is you saying, I have a boundary and I'm struggling right now. I need help because if I don't have this help right now, I'm going to fall apart. And I hate asking for help. You can ask almost anyone in my life. My mom and I just saw each other over Christmas. And one thing she reminded me of is that I'm a strong, independent individual, which is also my downfall. So don't be afraid to ask for help, you guys, because ultimately what you do is you are affecting your sobriety. You are affecting not picking up that first drink, and that first drink will get you drunk. I'm telling you right now, you take that first drink, you will get drunk. And if you don't know what I mean when I say that, read your big book. That first drink will get you drunk. Don't put whiskey in the milk because you think it won't have as big of an effect, as big of an effect on you. Don't drink on a full stomach because you think that's what's going to help. Don't drink. One day at a time. That's it. Remember, I've told you this before. One day at a time. That's all, all we ask for. It's all you ask for. You can do it. The tools are right there. They're in the big book. They're in your community. They're here with me. They're in your meetings. They're with other sober people. Nothing in your life is so traumatic and tragic that a drink is going to fix it. Remember, take it easy. Give yourself some grace. Give yourself some love and understanding. And if you can't find that grace, if you can't find that understanding, then come to me. I'll give it to you. I'm going to give you your grace. I'm going to give you your understanding. But I'm also going to tell you what needs to be done to fix it. I'm telling you, you guys, we are not messing around. I've seen it too many times. I've lived it too many times. This is the point where you take it back. And it's not going to be easy every time. And every time it gets worse, it will not stop until you do. So I am encouraging you this week to take some time for yourself. Ask for help. Be in less of a hurry. Relax and savor life. If you don't like flowers or have an allergy, don't smell the flowers. Just listen to some music. Take some time to sit in prayer or silence. Take some time to meditate. Take some time to sit on your deck. If you live in Virginia, don't do that because it's snowing and gross right now. Take some time to sit outside and just be thankful. Write yourself a gratitude list. Write a list of everything that you are grateful for because that is going to help keep in perspective everything else that's going wrong. And just remember, take it easy. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of A Sober Girls Podcast. I hope that today's episode was something that you needed to hear today and can carry with you throughout the week until we get together next week. 
I really look forward to our time together and sharing my experience, strength, and hope so that you feel less alone and more empowered to keep taking it one day at a time. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter and on Instagram at a sober girls pod and on our website at a sober girls podcast There you can find episode specific content and contact information. You can also hear us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Until next time, fam, be well.